1, Colossians chapter 1, we've gone through uh, some wonderful truths in this chapter pointing to the reality that of the greatness of our crucified and risen Savior, how He is preeminent, how He is the head of the church, uh, also many other truths. And one of the verses in this passage is uh, ends here with Christ in you, the hope of glory. And that's, that's a phrase that in verse 27 that sticks out in a lot of our minds and it should as we think about how Jesus Christ is our risen Savior and because we've trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have been indwelt with the Holy Spirit. And as we're indwelt with the Holy Spirit, this is a gospel or actually the, the first John, the letter of John, first John, speaks as we remain in Christ, He remains in us, and as we are indwelt with the Holy Spirit, we have Christ. And Christ in you, the hope of glory. So as we go through this passage, I was thinking about how a lot of things we, we strive for, um, and then there's some things that we like to rest in. Um, with Dandy, I'm worried about her wanting to do too much because as I wrote this message and I presented it to Thedford Church last Sunday, uh, I talked to her afterwards and she says, I'm going crazy, I need to do something. And so there's this tendency to want to get up and do too much too fast. Um, but there is that sense when you're resting too much, at first it may be okay and then the next day, it's you're going crazy. How many of you have been there? It's kind of like maybe you've not been there where you're trying to recover. Maybe it's a blizzard. We all remember blizzards, right, in the middle of the summer, right? First day, oh, this is cool. I can rest. I can't do anything, you know, other than chores. I'll come in, rest. Next day, I'm getting a little jittery. What? Maybe let's work on a puzzle. Third day, um, maybe this should quit. Let's, let's, let's figure out what we can do here. The fourth and fifth day, you're just crazy. You're ready to go out. This is, we've, we've been done with this. Let's get out of here. Um, because sometimes when we rest, we think some things will just happen and it doesn't just happen. And, and w- the reason I bring that up is joy doesn't just happen. If you're sitting around, you lose. Joy can be uh, peace and joy. Or sometimes we think if I can just rest, I can have that peace and joy. But it doesn't just happen. And it isn't from having all the ducks lined up in a row. And yet joy or rejoicing must be something that comes from a right perspective. And then it does line up with, well, there's some actions to it. So maybe I'm talking out both sides of my mouth here. But real joy comes from a right relationship with Jesus and remaining in that relationship. It's not just, oh, resting and waiting and letting things go backwards. It's about like when they talk about the economy, the economy needs to be moving forward or it's going to be moving backwards. It's kind of like, like your relationship with Jesus Christ. You either need to be pedaling up the hill or that 10 speed's going to start going back down the hill. Or that maybe trike. And so we need to be marching forward. But real joy comes from Christ in you the hope of glory. Well, where are we getting this joy or this rejoicing? So if we go back to 23, 
If that was a really poor illustration, really got you confused, just forget about it here. Okay, let's get to verse 23. And of which I, Paul, at the end of verse 23, was made a minister. Okay? He's talking about their faith, their hope, the gospel. Okay? Of which he was made a minister. Verse 24. So he begins to talk about his ministry. Verse 24. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh I do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church, in filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Of this church I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me from your, for your benefit, so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the Word of God, that is, the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations, but has now been manifested to His saints, to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim Him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. If I get away from that, remember, underline, a goal here is that every person is complete. Every believer is complete in Christ. That is mature in Christ. For this purpose also I labor, striving according to His power, which mightily works within me. For this purpose, this goal, we want every person to be complete in Christ. And when you're complete in Christ, there's much reason for rejoicing. Um, The reality is that while we have joy because of Christ in our life, We can have peace because of Christ in our life. There are many things that come in to distort that, to destroy that. And so we need to work hard in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ to know Him more, to be closer to Him, to be more like Him, and to help others to grow in Him. And as we do, continued rejoicing and joy can increase and continue as I said. (laughs) Anyway, as we look at this passage, Christ in you, the hope of glory, must be joyfully and laboriously preached by all believers. There's a fly bugging me right up here. He's going to die. Sorry about that. Christ in you, the hope of glory, must be joyously and laboriously preached by all believers. So let's discuss how we can rejoice. Rejoicing in joy or joy does not come by being lazy. First, be joyful in your Christian responsibilities. Be joyful in your Christian responsibilities. We could also say Paul rejoiced in his stewardship of proclaiming the gospel message. And so there's three reasons or three whys he can rejoice in afflictions or sufferings or who helps him to rejoice and why he would rejoice. And so first, rejoice in afflictions. Note this for Christ. Not just afflictions for affliction's sake, but afflictions for Christ. 
We can suffer, we can, be, we can deal with personal consequences from bad decisions or other issues that may not be for Christ. But when we suffer for Christ, there is great rejoicing in that. The change in subject from the previous is the now. Now, in verse 24, now I rejoice in my sufferings. And it says, my sufferings for your sake and in my flesh I do share on behalf of His body, which is a church, and filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. And so where we get the four Christ is in Christ's afflictions. So we're talking about Paul's ministry. And it started out when he mentioned it earlier in that passage, as I had mentioned before, that he had this ministry to them. He had this ministry. He, he is blessed by this ministry to them. He is blessed to suffer for Christ and for them. And so the now I rejoice first here is, is for Christ. And for them, yes, but for Christ. If you suffer for the right reason, or person, then you can rejoice in those afflictions. And the word affliction in this passage is to be pressed together. It means to be pressed together, to be squeezed together, to have this this distress, this pressure upon you. It can mean trouble or tribulation. At the end of verse 24, uh, notice the end of verse 24, there are some that suggest, well, what does this mean? In filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Did Christ not suffer enough? Did Christ not have enough affliction? That's not what he's saying. Some would say, oh, we're adding to the, the afflictions of Christ. No, that's not what he's saying either. The point here is there's a lot that Christ wants to see done on this earth. There's a lot, <laughs> a lot take. sorry, I got distracted by the fly again. Oh, okay. There's a lot to be done yet. Christ has a great purpose and desire to see His people grow. We have been saved by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ for good works. Ephesians 2, 8-10. through 10. We're His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which He has prepared beforehand for us to do. And so this Christ's afflictions, the filling up of Christ's afflictions is that Paul knows he has this ministry and if it means suffering for Christ, for the ministry of the Gospel, he is filling that up. Does that make sense? There's nothing we can add to to Christ's sacrifice. We've already discussed that. We would go against context to say that we have to add to anything at all in our salvation. What we are talking about here is now finding joy in our relationship, joy in being able to serve Christ even when it means affliction. And so rejoice in afflictions for Christ. Rejoice in whatever comes our way because of our walk with Christ and our ministry, our service to others for Christ. Does that make sense? And so, the Lord God has, has, this, has this plan for believers, for the body, for the church, to, 
to fulfill His will. He has His plan to use us to fulfill His will on this earth before the end. For Paul and for all of us, there, there must be this desire to be used, even in affliction, to fulfill the maturing and adding to of the number of believers. And so first then, when we look at this passage, how can we rejoice? If we have the right perspective and understanding that it is for my risen Savior. Whatever comes my way, if I'm serving Him, this is bringing Him glory. This is for Him. This is because I love Him. And so we can have joy in afflictions if it is for Christ. We can have joy or rejoice in suffering if we understand that it's for Christ, for other believers. And that's where it starts here in verse 24. In my suffering. Now I rejoice in my suffering. In my suffering I rejoice for your sake. Who's he talking about? Well, these Colossians. He's talking about them. He's talking about other believers, right? And so here's where we get that idea. We should never let the the horizontal, the outside influences of this world to dictate what we believe. Okay? When those outside forces, those other relationships are not biblical. Now we need to let other Christians influence us in the Word of God, influence us to grow in Christ because that is what this passage is talking about. But for us as individuals, we need to understand that there's a lot to give. And the only way we have a lot to give is if we receive from the Lord. If we have this vertical relationship with Jesus Christ. So when we look at the secular world, the secular world should not influence how our vertical relationship is with the Lord Jesus Christ. Hopefully, we are here to help encourage one another to have a more serious, a better relationship, vertical relationship with Jesus Christ. So what would I say vertical when we look up to the Lord Jesus? Okay? When we're talking about a relationship with the Lord Jesus, we should have a biblical worldview. We should have a, a, a relationship that's going to affect how we look outward. And so the vertical should have a high influence on how we view life outwardly. If we're focused on the inward, if we're focused on how we feel, if we're focused on how things are going for us, for me, if it's all about me, then my vertical is going to be affected and my horizontal relationship is going to be affected. Right? So first, I need to make sure that I'm walking with the Lord Jesus Christ daily. I think you guys have that. Okay. I beat that dead horse enough. We're good. You all with me? Okay. Because we should affect those around us. We should. And they should affect us for the glory of the Lord. The secular world... We need to toss aside. Even with Christians, there could be unbiblical perspectives and things that creep in, but we need to rejoice uh, in our suffering knowing that as we walk with Jesus Christ, if we're suffering for Jesus Christ, we're also suffering for other believers, or we might suffer for other believers. We may not be suffering as, 
as Paul was suffering. But we can have joy if we have first an upward view and then an outward view of, hey, I'm going to live for others and not myself. But Paul was suffering because of the Gentiles here. He was preaching and teaching to the Gentiles a couple of passages. Ephesians 3, 1 through 13, and Ephesians 3, 1 through 13, a correlating passage. And we know in Acts, Acts 22, 21 and following, that Paul was persecuted not because he's preaching to the Jews, yes, because he's preaching to the Jews, trying to tell them about their Messiah who had come, Jesus Christ, and yet there's many who rejected them. There were some who accepted him. But then also that, that he was then, after he would go to the synagogues, he would go to the Gentiles, and there were mass numbers of Gentiles coming to know Jesus. And so in the Ephesians, he talks about how the Lord God, Lord Jesus, broke down the dividing wall. There's a lot of divisions in our nation today and throughout the world based upon ethnicity or race. They should not be there for the believers. No matter what our ethnicity is, if we're a believer and they're a believer, we're brothers and sisters in Christ, there should be no division. And he talks about in Ephesians about this dividing wall. He gives us a picture in Ephesians about how uh, you had the the court of the Gentiles where they can worship, and then the inner court where the Jewish Jews could worship. But Christ broke down that dividing wall. And so amongst those who had the greatest division, now in Christ, the hope of glory, Christ in you, the hope of glory, we are now brought into one family, one group. So the greatest div- divisive at, between any group would be Jews and all Gentiles. And that has been destroyed. And so any other dividing wall is destroyed for all those who have been placed in the body of Christ. There is no division. And there should be no division. There should only be love. There should only be growth. And yes, because of that, there was suffering for Paul. Because he was teaching this. But in this, he could rejoice. Because of his ministry, he could rejoice this ministry that brought him suffering. So he was suffering for the church, the body of Christ. So we should rejoice in any suffering that may come because we understand that we are one family. We should rejoice even if there's suffering as we preach this and teach this. Also rejoice in the mystery of the church, that which I had already mentioned, how we're brought into one family, one body, one group, no division. Now mystery, we've spoken of this, I believe, before. Mystery is something in the Old Testament that is suggested, not really proclaimed, not really understood, not understood because it had not been revealed, but in the New Testament While it was not revealed in the past in the Old Testament, it has now been made known. And this mystery is twofold. One of which which I had just spoken of, that we are brought into one family, one body, the church. That is, grace is imparted to all believers, both Jews and Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And how the Gentiles are grafted in. So first, that we are saved. Second, that we are a family with no division. That was a great mystery. The church is a mystery. Or it was, no longer is. 
for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so when we look at this passage, there's a lot, and I kind of got it all muddied up just a little bit, so I hope you're still with me. I hope I didn't muddy it too much. I hope I wasn't too unclear on what, what we're finding in this passage. Ministry is difficult. Ministry begins with an upward view and relationship with Jesus Christ. And it does not end there. It extends to the proclamation of the Word to all those who have not heard the Gospel message or have not yet accepted. And it extends more specifically to other believers, our brothers and sisters in Christ. Our ministry has to be outward. We have not received salvation to sit on it. We have received salvation so we can walk with Christ and live it out, helping one another to grow. And so a question for us today is, do we ask what we can get out of our faith? Do we ask what we can get out of our faith? Or do we ask how much will God let me put into it? It's not saying that, oh, I earn my salvation. We can never earn our salvation, right? We are not saved by good works, but we're saved by grace through faith in Christ to do good works. Right? To do ministry. So Christ in you, the hope of glory, must be joyfully and laboriously. That, that means we labor. Okay, We labor in it. We should labor in preaching to others and all believers, encouraging them to grow. Second, so we'll hurry along. I'm not going to keep you here forever, okay? Honestly, I won't. I won't do that to you today. But second, be laborious in your proclamation of truth. That is, Paul labored to proclaim and teach the gospel message so that all would know and believers would be mature. And so, some of this we already went over. So let's just review in brief. Maybe in brief. But proclaim Jesus to all. And so in verse 25, we find that there's this word oikonius in in the Greek, or stewardship from God. Paul had a stewardship. That is, he had a responsibility. The word was a household leader. That is, a, a, a servant of the head servant within the home had control not only of just the house, but the estate. Kind of like what Joseph had in Egypt. And so he had great responsibilities. Paul's great responsibility was to proclaim and teach the gospel message, and then help people develop into godly people who are complete in Christ. It is a stewardship, therefore. Stewardship to preach the word of the gospel in 25, right? And it was for their benefit. He was preaching the word of God. He was preaching about the the mystery, that is, that they could know Him and be brought into one family. That he could preach and teach them about what the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. In verse 28 and 29, talking about how we are to continue to grow up in Christ, to present every person complete in Christ. And so he was admonishing and teaching. Now, So one of his stewardships was to teach Jesus until all are matured. That is admonished to correct, to, to help them. I think I'm way ahead. I might have missed a... Oh, there we are. 
First, to, to preach the gospel. Second, to help them to grow to be mature in Jesus Christ. To teach and help others grow through God's strength. To teach and proclaim the gospel message, whether from pulpit or, or Bible study. To get into the lives of other people, that is to, to be relational and help others to be accountable other believers, and this isn't just Paul's job, it's all of our jobs to be involved in each other's lives. Not just to stand back away from one another and to view one another and say, oh, that's where you're wrong, oh, that's where you're wrong, but to have a godly relationship with one another, to be there to encourage and to strengthen one another in the Lord. And how does this help happen? Sorry, how does this happen? through God's strength. Look at verse 29. So the purpose is that they would become complete, teaching every, every person with all wisdom. Okay? Striving, laboring, according to God's power, which mightily works within Him. So how, is this, how are we able to do this? Through our personal relationship with Jesus Christ through His strength. The goal is what? More of Jesus and less of us. That people see more of Jesus in us than they see of us in us. (laughs) All right. Anybody with me? The goal is resting in Christ. Christ who is in me, the hope of glory. The goal is to proclaim the message of Christ who is in me, the hope of glory. Now, I like the New Living Translation in this, uh, not as my study Bible, but I like the, the, how they view this verse in verse 27. It says, For God wanted them to know what the rich, that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing His glory. And so what is it here in this translation, it's getting the whole picture here that Paul had a ministry of a proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ to unbelievers and believers, and that in this is, you know, when it says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. The hope of glory is the whole proclamation of the gospel. The hope of glory is the reality that Jesus is in you, that you've been brought into this family. Okay? The hope of glory is the whole gospel message again, the reality that we are saved. We are all born again. We are all eternally we all have eternal life now right we all have eternal life now because christ is in us and so for in this passage what is the secret the reality is that we have christ christ has us and because christ has us and we have christ we are one family and we need to labor to help one another be more aware of Christ and be more like Christ every day. And it begins with our own personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so while we may be busy, we may be struggling to keep our head above water, 
make sure that we're not setting aside our responsibility to proclaim the message and to help one another grow in Jesus Christ. Sometimes helping one another grow in Jesus Christ is just showing up and being there. But what can we rejoice in? We can rejoice that Christ is in us. We can rejoice when we put Him first and are, and are involved in service or ministry. You know, when we struggle with heartache, when we struggle with life, when, when we can't get through the emotion or emotional tur- turmoil left by difficulties or catastrophes or sadness in our life, one way to get through it is not only to look upward to Jesus Christ, but outward at how we can serve, how we can be involved in other people's lives. So when we look at this passage, it's important for us to see, do we want to be able to rejoice? Then let us live for Christ, serving others and proclaiming the message of of the Gospel. Let's pray. Lord, we... I ask, Lord, that You would reveal um, to each one here that which You want them to grasp, grab a hold of uh, from this passage. Help us to be uh, highly aware of what it is You want us to do. And help us to walk in You knowing that it is by Your strength, by Your power, that we can only do what You've commanded us to do. May we be willing servants um, of You, our risen Savior. And may we, Lord, be fully aware that we have You in our life. And we have great, um, a great privilege of being able to walk with You daily. And a great privilege to being able to invest in one another's lives. Pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen. Can we have you?